0: This episode is powered by Safety FM. In this episode I talked to CEO of Mindtel and Mindtel is a risk and performance data company and what they do is they support their clients in just any kind of real complex industry decisions through the data system. They work with the mining sector but They've also developed this new um, system that will help COVID-19. So I got a, a tip that, hey, Sheldon, you should really talk to uh, Michael Hartley, who is the CEO of the company. And I was like, cool. And I love those tips. So I gave him a call and uh, ensuing is the talks we had and we talked about risk management, we talked about risk tolerance, we talked about definitions for risk leading indicators, lagging indicators Uh, we talked about his system specifically with uh, MindTel and then we also in part 2 we start talking a little bit about uh, the COVID-19 and what that means to businesses as well as his new services that he has for businesses and I even got you guys to hook up they were working on a 30 day trial, I believe it was. I don't know. We'll have to check the site just to make sure. And it was supposed to end at the end of June. But he said if you mention the show, so you uh, get a hold of Mindtel, say you heard him on the interview with the Safety Consultant podcast with Sheldon Primus, and then he's going to extend that offer for you too. So I'm not, I can't remember the offer per se. I, it's either two weeks or, or 30 day. I really can't remember the offer, but they're going to help you get your own COVID-19 management uh, system, risk management system uh, set up. So it's a great idea. And truly I have a good fun time learning a lot about him, learning about his early days in oil and gas and then some of the things that really started developing how he was seeing risk and handling risk as a data set and uh, looking at leading leading indicators versus lagging indicators which is a big thing for us in safety and health because a leading indicator is something that becomes predictive where a lagging indicator is it already happened Uh, so we want to get as much predictive information as we can rather than things that have already happened so it was really a good conversation with Michael. Uh, I had to break it up into two different interviews for just you know continuity purposes and then also making sure that you guys could really dig into what was being said about how people have certain risk tolerances and how they can use data to identify them, to control them, and then also to help improve their safety system, which will lead to improving their corporate culture as well. So it was a wonderful conversation again, and uh, Michael's going to get right into it as we start after the words from our sponsor, and then we'll do part two in a later episode.
1: Do you want to be a safety consultant?
0: I will tell you on your particular course, there was better information in that particular regards than the other consulting course that was more of a generalist form. But I figure I felt like I got more information out of yours on you giving people a direct path on what to do step by step. But I really think that you have a genuine good product there that can really assist people if they're interested in becoming a safety consultant.
1: Register for the Safety Consultant Blueprint at W www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Enter code podcast for a special discount. Yeah, thanks, uh, Sheldon. So I'm the founder and CEO of Mindtel. We're a digital risk and performance data company. Uh, I'll get to Mindtel in a moment, but uh, I started my career um, in human factors. Yeah, and oil and, uh, and gas, right? Yeah, oil and gas, mining. Yep, um, it was my first day of uh, university, where uh, I got introduced to it. Uh, I did a uh, BSc in kinesiology, uh, human kinetics, um, and um, a lecturer came in and he said, "You know, who wants to be a doctor?" And all, all the smart kids put their hand up. Uh, <laughs> You know, who wants to be in, uh, you know, an occupational therapist, physiotherapist? You know, the, the, the athletic tranche put their hand up. Uh, who wants to do research? Yeah, the quieter tranche put their hand <laughs> up. So he says, who hasn't put their hand up? And I looked around. I was the only guy without my hand up. Yeah. And uh, he said... Great! Right. I want to talk to you, find some time in my uh, in my calendar, and come. We, yeah, we'll we'll have a chat. And and I did. And he introduced me to the field of ergonomics, ergonomics awesome. human factors. Obviously, used uh, synonymously. And um, and, and so that was my start into into human factors. Uh, I, uh, I got into uh, manufacturing, um supporting uh, case new holland a uh, big uh, construction agriculture manufacturer based in the u.s mm-hmm. so we're working with the the engineering team to design better layouts for operators to optimize performance yeah. um, and i then- have to
0: tell you i love the little new hollands it just uh, I'm on the wastewater side uh, and we had to use those little new holland trucks all the time for little projects throughout the plant and all the different all the different attachments that you guys had were just awesome (laughs) I mean just awesome
1: well far far be it from me Sheldon to try and take credit for any of that Uh, but uh, so I won't Um, yeah and and that was kind of the start uh, in realizing that there was a career in industry uh, helping to optimize uh, performance, helping to optimize uh, efficiency and to minimize error uh, through design and um, yeah and then that took me into a career in, in oil and gas for about 10 years um, where I was working with uh, Shell uh, based in the Netherlands and the UK uh, and then with a consortium in, uh, in, in Kazakhstan um, so I did you know human factors design work uh, a lot of project work got into some more health safety environmental uh, risk management strategy and then um, my last role I was uh, responsible for all the health safety environmental risks uh, on the offshore component of what was the largest project uh, at the time Uh, so we had Thirty thousand people working onshore and we, offshore. We had 6,200 6, people working offshore wow. every day. Forty different nationalities, twenty different languages. You know, five major contractors. Uh, it was, it was a big project. Uh, yeah, it and just
0: screams systems to me. Yeah, it, me. in it, order it, to make that work, you have it, systems.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And this is where, you know, my my first. Uh, kind of taste, what on the first taste, but where the, um, uh, the 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 challenge between kind of classic safety management and risk management with what I was coming in with, which was I guess more in line with the new view of risk management, mm-hmm. um, where that clashed because uh, we were very much focused on okay, let's you know we, we need to focus on these systems that we have and and not necessarily focus on, well, you know, we need to follow up on incident investigations and we need to, you know, tick the boxes on, you know, senior leadership tours. Uh, that We didn't think that was really, um, you know, that was really appropriate. Uh, and and then almost 10 years ago, well, a little over 10 years ago now, was when everything changed for me um, in, in my career. We were, uh, we we're offshore and uh, Deepwater Horizon explored in the Gulf of Mexico. So we were getting this message, this information coming in the North Caspian Sea. And granted, we were at different stages of, uh, of operation. Yeah. Uh, but the question was, could this happen to us? Uh, it eventually happened to us. And with the data that I had, I couldn't definitively say no. Yeah. And, and that's when I knew that the way we were measuring performance was wrong. Yeah, uh, we, we we absolutely had to change, and and from from that point forward, I have really flipped my view on uh, on on what we're trying to achieve, um, and 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 then going into uh, into the mining space, uh, based here in, in North America with a global company, uh, supporting functions and sites all over the world, really trying to answer these questions around well. How do we know if our risk exposure is acceptable or not? and how effective are our controls? And those two are very much linked. Um, so we were not worried of, you know, not so much focused on uh, the, so much the who did what or who didn't do uh, what? We were very much focused on well how are our systems, how is the design uh, influence our behavior, influencing performance, influencing, uh, our ability to be uh, to achieve safe, repeatable, sustainable work, yeah. uh, and, and and mining is a, like, like oil and gas. It's a, it's a complex industry. It's it's challenging. Uh, it has its own unique challenges with res- with respect to, uh, to to oil and gas. Um, and then, you know, f- four or five years in, we had the opportunity to to, to step out. Uh, you know took that chance and you know developed mindtel um, with the idea that we would become a, a, a data company that's focused on answering those two fundamental questions of risk management uh, you know, is my risk exposure acceptable and how effective are my critical controls right now and and so that's what we've been doing uh, really the past uh, two or three years transform transforming ourselves from a service company into a data company
0: wow now that's a big transformation so as far as your um, your service side, do you still have the service side or are you completely trying to transform into 100% data?
1: Well there, there's to, to be able to know what to measure and know when to act there needs to be a service component to that um, but we feel as though the, those services can be uh, scaled uh, mm-hmm. but they could, those services are also can be easily commoditized um, so we we're, we're, we're focusing on being able to replicate a lot of our services and not have to to reinvent the wheel over and over again. Because if we think about it, you know, if we look at uh, the, the the risk, uh, you know, within an organi- within an organization, so intra company, uh, you know, risk exposure 90 percent of it's going to be an overlap even between sites and and within a within an industry so that intra-risk is or intra-industry you know risk profile there's going to be an, about an 80 percent overlap so there's actually just a little bit of customization that needs to happen and and we don't necessarily need to start Uh, from from the beginning every single time now there's an there's an element of education that needs to to happen in terms to get people appreciate. Well, how do we go from zero to where we are right now that that process is is good to understand but we don't have to go through that process time and time again but frankly we've already got most of what we need to to measure uh already in place
0: all right now um man you gotta (laughs) <laughs> you got a whole bunch packaged in that. So uh, for me, my audience are uh, are those individuals who I, I cater to people who are in the safety consulting field. So basically, uh, my audience are the people who will go out there, they have their own clients, and they are going to put together these systems, these packages, and then they don't have to physically do it, they just, you know, here's my suggestions, here's yeah, what right, I yeah, tell yeah. you to do and, and then, uh, you know, see ya. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to have sustainable clients, you go back and you make, you know, where you, you come back and check them in some sort of intervals. So, But I'm, um, I'm hearing a lot of things there that, that kind of reminds me of my days when I was uh, actively doing the risk management for a a municipality. I used to work for the state of Florida with a special district under the water and wastewater field. And um, the fields themselves uh, I I hear basically, and and correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like your definition of risk also includes any loss for the organization as well as uh, loss that you may see for injury, illness, and uh, and anything else, so so you're looking at risk holistically versus just uh, injury illness.
1: Yeah, that's right. M- m- more broadly, um, it, uh, through the health, safety, environmental departments, is it's a typical conduit into an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we make it very very simple. Uh, you know, we focus on risks that are material and controls that are critical, and and that is the scope that we look at. Uh, and if we can't make an argument for uh what we're doing that aligns to either one of those two things it's it's not in the scope
0: okay and uh truly for just just for clarification's sake my definition of risk is when you don't have enough information in order for you to make a clear concise decision therefore there's a level of of knowing that i have to make a decision Uh, So you are ready to take that risk (laughs) in order to say, I need to take this course of action, even though I don't have a complete knowledge of all the information laid out for me. So am I on the right track with that one?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I I subscribe to the the ISO definition. Risk is the effect of uncertainty on objectives. So if we clearly state our objectives and then work working backwards, what could prevent us from achieving those objectives? Well, then those would be kind of a, a bucket list of your, your risks. Yeah. Uh, and then we say, okay, well, those are things that are important to us. Uh, now, what do we do about them? Right? And this is where the control piece falls in. Okay, this risk we where we do X, Y, Z. And then the third basic question that we help companies answer is, well, how well are we doing those things right now? And, and, and that's where we help to build an organization's uh, capabilities and capacities to be able to uh, to answer those two questions I talked about earlier, is what's our current risk exposure? How effective are our critical controls uh, right now? Yeah, and, 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 and the reason why we see those as the targets uh, is because our definition, our, our vision, pardon me, is Uh, is that we attempt to support our, our, our clients to create and sustain value by eliminating exposure to unacceptable risk. So this is different to a lot of organizations where they would say, well, we've got zero harm, Right uh and we've got these golden rules If everybody follows these rules we are going to achieve our our vision of zero harm zero harm doesn't make any sense uh when you really kind of test that and challenge that And, and 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 early on in my career uh coming from a human factors background I'm perhaps a, you know, an ingrained cynic in, in many of these things uh, because if it doesn't make sense to me, then how could it? Then, then how do we know that's making sense to all these other individuals across the organizations who are making these uh, you know, risk-based decisions with varying levels of, of information? Right? And and so that notion of zero harm, uh, I, I've I've been an early Antagonist uh, against that, uh, against that, and, and and so this goes back to this notion of value, right? Yeah, you know. So for me, how does my organization help our clients create value? Well, we're able to help you improve control performance, that minimizes that risk exposure, and we're going to give you the data to help make those decisions to go and do that, and then go and inform. Your 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 stakeholders that you are
0: doing that. What I kind of uh, hear and again I'm doing a lot of interpretation. <laughs> to me, uh, it seems like you're going to have to do or have been doing a lot of education because they are the systemic risks that you have by your 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 SIC code or your North American Industrial Classification System code. Meaning, you do this certain type of work, therefore, there's systemic risk for everyone that does this type of work. But then there's unsystemic risk that says you may be doing things a little bit different in your organization that makes it a little bit more of a risk factor, meaning your risk tolerance is greater because the way you operate is a little bit different than what is the norm for this industry. So uh, are you benchmarking a norm for certain clients as per a standard of some sort and then from that benchmark are you taking their uh, unsystemic risk and then kind of adapting to them specifically just to see how you could maximize your influence on each client
1: yeah in in terms of benchmarking um yeah we, we go back we recognize that uh, you know that that every organization is slightly different. I know I talked about this ninety percent overlap and eighty percent overlap, but there is that um, you know that contextual nuances of site A versus site B, company A versus company B, uh, and, and and to try and uh, to do a benchmarking exercise holistically is is actually it, it's a bit of a challenge. One. Um, because, not, not least of which, because you will have to have had this full uh, service and data flow uh, uh, against all of your your material risk, and, and, and our clients aren't there yet. Um. So, so the short answer to your question is no, we're not doing that that benchmarking. But what we can uh, be able to provide is, well, in in this sector. Uh, for these risks these are the controls that your peers are are, are measuring and here's how they are interpreting their performance uh, with regards to those controls that's the kind of uh, more performance uh, performance
0: indicator benchmarking rather than kind of the, the lagging stuff okay yeah that's true because then uh, uh, to those who've Probably thinking the same thing, you know, with your leading lagging indicators. Uh, many of our safety functions have always been on the lagging indicators, you know, meaning how many days do we have? If we didn't have an injury, and um, what is our total reportable injury rates, days away, restricted transfer rates, and such. Those are the lagging indicators, meaning an event has happened. Therefore, you're starting to get data from that event. But the leading indicators, when you're truly looking at how your company is actually performing together and working out a safety culture, if you want to use the term, uh, where you truly feel like safety is what we do, therefore you're seeing performance, you're seeing people who are are participating more in the system, you're feeling when you walk into this facility that everyone can tell you, this is our mindset, this is what we do, don't bring your bad habits here because we don't do that here. Uh, so that kind of seems like what you guys are are, are kind of bringing out and, and using a quantifiable way of measuring.
1: Yeah and, and, and a lot of your listeners will, will probably be nodding their heads like yeah you know the, the, this whole notion around dealing with lagging indicators it, it's it, it's a scourge of it's a scourge of the, 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 the safety function mm-hmm. frankly mm-hmm. And, and the safety function if I may say, only has itself to blame uh, uh, because True. that is a really easy metric to 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 measure, to manage down, and to be able to communicate. It's a you know it, it's a a ratio, right? Yeah. But you know, I, I've, in in my years of getting here. Um, I've come across this notion of, of Goodhart's law, which you may or may not be familiar with. But Goodhart's law states that when a, a, a metric becomes a target, it ceases to be a useful metric. And, and, be, and, and this is where safety has fallen into this trap uh, with, it, with its lagging indicators. But it's not for no reason. That, that, that lagging indicator focus is a function of an organization's vision. If its vision is zero harm, so zero lagging indicators, or sorry, you know, zero against the lagging indicators, pardon me. Mm -hmm. Well, then that lagging indicator is a natural metric for a misaligned vision where we take that risk-based approach and say that we want to be free from exposure to unacceptable risk. Well, that's a different metric that we need to 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 then measure. This is where we now get into measuring risk exposure. This is now when we get into measuring control performance. Those are more nuanced, but they are much richer and and really provide some proper uh, leading indicators. But I'm curious to know what. What the conversations that you and your, your 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 guests and your listeners have have had around how how a lag sorry how a leading indicator is defined? How, how would you define that?
0: Yeah. So for me, and I, I know some of I also teach a class that is for um, safety managers, and a lot of uh, the class discussion when we talk about leading and lagging indicators, uh, several people were. Um, The point for me, let's say this way before I go into everyone else is, I think of what are you measuring? So leading or lagging to what point? So therefore, some people will say a near miss report, meaning something fell right next to me, I didn't get hit. So therefore, I want to put this down on paper and I want to say, you know, that this is a report that I'm going to write that I nearly got hit, but I didn't. So they'll call that a leading indicator because uh, you didn't have the incident. But for me, I'm thinking you had an incident. It just didn't have a consequence. So the mere fact that uh, this uh, whatever it was didn't hit this person on the head or the foot or whatever. That's not my, my point. Uh, Well, let's say that's not the place I'm focusing. my. Where are you going to focus Says before or after? My focal point isn't that event. It's all the factors that led up to that event would be my leading indicator. So that's why I like the, the good catch reports, which is I see an event that's about to happen and it doesn't sit right with me. So therefore, I need to make sure that I make everyone aware that, hey, that's going to hit somebody if we don't take care of that in the short term. And that's where my focal point is, is doing a full view of not only your surroundings, but your culture, your organization. And then when you're seeing things that if you think of it through, you know that it's going to present a loss. So for me, those things that are lagging indicators, even though it's an event, the event is probably the focal point of the event is is some sort of um, some sort of action so causal relation meaning I presented this action and then therefore I have this result where for me a leading indicator is I'm predicting that this action is going to have a, a causation that I don't want so I don't know if there's a way to say the prediction measurement is what I'm looking at, but it's an it's an overview of truly the complete environment and a macro and then a micro view, and then a quick analysis that says, this one is leading me towards a loss event, so I need to react now, and that's uh, my long way of answering that question. <laughs> Okay, yeah, and, and and the way I look
1: at it from a, a leading indicator step, very simply, leading indicators help me make operational decisions. Simple as that. Yeah. And those operational decisions are geared towards control improvement and, uh, and, and minimizing risk exposure. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I've got to gear what I account for, yeah, to be able to help us drive our focus on control performance and risk exposure. So those leading indicators are those things. And and remember those at the, when we started, I talked about those three questions. What's important, what are you doing about it? And how well are you doing those things, right? That how well are you doing those things? That's really important. And and, and this is where a lot of your, uh, where your leading indicators Will emerge from, and 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 just to your point around um, you know how we use data and how we're thinking about um, you know, as as we progress what we're doing uh, at, at Mindtel is then saying okay well. You know, from a cultural standpoint, I realize that term "culture" gets thrown around—you um, know—pretty loosely. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I, I, I hands up. I, I worked for for two major companies yeah. in oil and gas and, and mining, and they were, you know, very, very culture focused. Um, but for me, if, if if the environment doesn't change, your culture doesn't change. I mean, that's a simple uh, relationship that we talked about. But for me. I want to know three things about my culture. Are people engaged? Are they taking the right actions? And are those actions effective? Yeah. And and those are things, things? yeah, those are things that we are starting to quantify uh, as a data company. Because now, in terms of leading indicators, I've got five great leading indicators risk exposure, control effectiveness. I've got engagement, I've got action, and I've got the effectiveness of those actions. Well, I know that we've got our focus on those risks that are material and controls that are critical. If my five leading indicators are covering those, then I've got a very, very good sense of where I need to allocate capital and resources, because I can detect those problems. I can intervene at scale. So I'm, I, I, I don't just happen to perhaps see one person sees something and then they take extraordinary action to to be able to, you know, to, to, to take the necessary steps to prevent something potentially from happening. Uh, and, and then I've got that information that I can inform. Uh, and, and then that, that, that platform creates much different conversations between frontline operations or supervision. Supervision and management. Management, and frontline, you know, yeah. pick the number of combinations. Right. Because we've got data to go on and and we can start to ask the question, well, why? Why is this? Why is this what we're seeing? Uh, and and a lot better conversations come out of that start as opposed to, well, who did
0: this or who didn't do that? Well, one of the ideas that just came to me as you're saying that is many people that I've found that would utilize a service like yours and really kind of want to get into the data. Now, I don't find that much personally on small businesses on less, and when I say small, I say 250 or less. Uh, when you get into mid range companies, 500 to of a couple of thousand, you know, they really start thinking about that, in my opinion. And then when you get to a larger companies with you, know, you know, multiple locations, thousands and thousands of uh, different uh, workers, you know, then it seems like, to me, they have different drivers than the smaller companies. And the different drivers for them to seek out a service like yours uh, is more than regulation. So is that what you're seeing as well? Are you seeing something different as how people are driven to seek out your services, seek out your your actual uh, data-driven programs as well?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. and and I think as as businesses uh, begin to or continue to operate in an environment that is becoming uh, more data literate, uh, and then more sensitive to the interconnected, uh, the interconnectedness between uh, an operating business and the environment in which it operates. Uh, that stakeholders like, and I'm, I'm going to pick on insurance here first. You know, insurance for many years has been very relationship-based, very transactional, uh, and, hey, we can sign the contract for next year, we'll, we'll see you next year at this time, type of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but insurers are... Um, are, 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 are frankly, they are being exposed uh, by not truly understanding the risk profile of their clients for whom they are insuring, and and data is going to be that key that helps uh, even a small sized company, 150 people, uh, provide yeah. better insights to those decision makers externally to help them make better decisions around. The, the, you know, the risk profile of, of, of that organization I, I can give you an example um, in the last three months and perhaps a good segue to talk about as well we we've
0: uh, we've had to flip our, uh, our our offering yeah I saw the covid uh, one that you guys have been doing which is awesome I really really uh, want to make sure we talk about that if
1: that's where you're going <laughs> y- y- yeah yeah we, we, okay. we, 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 we can we can touch on that because uh, I think it, I think it is worthwhile yeah, um, so you three months ago, um, uh, our CTO uh, and I we kind of had a, an early morning phone call and said, "Hey, you're in a position to help here because companies, uh, you know, don't know two things with regards to COVID-19: their risk exposure and control effectiveness." Stop me when that sounds familiar. Right yeah, no. uh, And and so we said, "Okay, well, we're in a position that we can help organizations across multiple sectors." do just that in terms of the the screening process, but also the control management process, right? And so we're now being able to scale up and down to organizations as small as 75 or 100 people, uh, as well as organizations of of over 1,000. And the way that they're using these data uh, is actually... Uh, we didn't see this one coming, to be honest. Um, you know, for example, there was a work refusal uh, at a, uh, at an organization with whom we're partnering, uh, and uh, the you know the management team said, "Well, what do we do here?" And we, said, you know, you've got the you've got the data. When the the um, individual from the Ministry of Labor comes in, uh, them the data, right? And and that's exactly what they did. They said, "You know, here's here's how we're managing." Uh, understanding the, the health of people coming into the place and the health of the environment, right? And and, and basically those two very simple things. The the minister of labor uh, individual walked away and said, "Well, yeah, that's that's great. This is something that we hadn't seen before." Uh, and and you know, anecdotally, said, "Well, this is now going to be you know what I see as kind of the, the bar of expectation." Yeah. Okay. And 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 we we use a lot of human factors principles or, or human, uh, uh, human organizational operational human organizational principles um, performance principles to be able to to derive those data right to be able to analyze that information as to so we've got that knowledge and insight to be able to share not just internally to make better decisions but to help external dis- uh, external stakeholders make better decisions as well.
0: you been considering wanting to take the safety consultant blueprint course online? Well, let me throw a little monkey wrench into your thoughts. I'm going to do a live three-day event on Zoom. It's going to be a workshop that is me walking you through this course step by step by step each day, July 28th, July 29th, and July 30th. From 9 a.m. Eastern we'll Standard Time to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to have an intimate group of a maximum 15 participants. So register today, sheldonprimus.com backslash live for the safety consultant blueprint. So go to sheldonprimus.com backslash live and register today. Welcome back to the show. And this week, for the tip of the week, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do this for the next few weeks. I have not told you this, but I've been doing things a little differently ever since our, uh, what I effectively have called Armageddon has happened. So the new COVID-19, there's a little bit of change in the way my systems have worked. And I'm sure other people have had to do the changes themselves. So what I have been doing the last few weeks is I've been trying out alternative products for services I currently use and then I've been trying to get a discount for uh, some of my listeners. So can't do my full audience in these discounts, unfortunately because that would it wouldn't be possible. let's say it that way. It wouldn't be possible for me to do that. However, on a very small scale, I decided that I was going to just try to get two listeners that are actively motivated in getting the services I'm talking about. And I've arranged it where, for most cases, two people can jump on this and you could do it like ASAP. So, let me tell you about the first thing I'm doing. One of the things I wanted to do was to try to drive more traffic, get more people to my site, and get more people into, you know, pretty much understanding me getting to learn about what i have and just truly they call it a sales funnel if you will uh where you like a regular funnel from the top you you have a wider um opening but towards the bottom of this funnel you have a smaller opening which will lead to your actual big product so i've been trying to think of that for me in different ways of of Uh, trying to get people to be introduced to me and my services. And one thing came up, and I was like, this is brilliant. And I started holding contests through a product called King Sumo. The very first contest that I had was for the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. So I put up a period of time where I was going to have this course uh, be given away for free in just one course, and just put it out there, and whoever was interested in it, uh, then yes, I wanted to make sure that they could do it. So, I um, what I had ended up doing was I got uh, posted on LinkedIn, posted on Facebook, posted on on uh, a few different things, and I got two hundred and seventy-three entries for this and I thought that was amazing so 273 entries people who I know a few things right away that they're interested in being a safety consultant I know that they have either been through my network or through the networks of these people because they're allowed to do multiple entries. So even though I had 273 entries, the very first one, I had 37 contestants. And this system does everything else random. I mean, truly random. All I have to do is set up uh, what the giveaway is tell them the terms of the giveaway and then truly it runs and it runs to several countries as well. So, uh, what I ended up doing was just, uh, I connected this with the, another thing and that's called Senfox. So with King Sumo and Senfox together, what Senfox is, is my alternative to ConvertKit. (gasps) I know you guys are saying, what Sheldon's off ConvertKit. I am. And the reason why you might be shocked, especially if you you know me, you know that I have been working with ConvertKit for all my email services for quite a long time. And uh, I do my autoresponder emails and I do my my, uh, pages that are lead pages through ConvertKit and I change that all around. So now I'm using SendFox for that and it's a lot cheaper. And I actually got like an incredible discount that I would make available to two people. Um, And again, I'm only going to do two people. See how that works. If I have two motivated people that are ready to get their businesses going and uh, and how I was able to work it out is it is on an annual basis because I like to pay for things annually. So I don't have to worry about monthly payments. So I got two special offers on an annual basis. One for King Sumo, which is the giveaway program and system. And they give you a dashboard. You could set up as many giveaways as you want. And uh, you could truly post these giveaways on right now uh, for the week of June 28th, 2020. I actually have a one-on-one consultation call with me. And uh, whoever the winner is, I'm only holding it for a week, so it's done on July 4th, and that's when I will know the winner next week on that uh, broadcast. So I am running this. I'm going to know whoever wants to get this free one-on-one hour consultation with me. I'm helping them with their business, so that means that they are going to be interested in what I'm interested in, safety consulting. So it's a better use of my time, uh, and it's also something that I really want to give back to somebody who's ready to do their business. So, if you want to get into the contest, you could go to sheldonprimus.com/backslash contest, and you could actually see what this King Sumo contest looks like. And it's actually running on my page right now, so <laughs> that is allowing me to give a real fun giveaway. Uh, Something that people could do 122 entries right now. Uh, And I only did this last night is when I actually released this thing. So it's going pretty good so far. And um, you could now get emails from the contestants, which is different than the entries. And then with the emails, now you could reach back out and give some people more services and more offers and more freebies. Because now you'll have them on your email list. And the email list I'm using right now is SendFox. So with the SendFox email uh, list, they actually have um, SendFox and King Sumo together. They have an integration so automatically, when someone signs up or, or uh, wants to be uh, enter into the contest, automatically my SendFox adds them into my email list. So therefore, I now have mi- I skipped a whole set uh, of steps. So with my SendFox now, what I can do, and I'm setting it up right now, is I segment the list so I know who is responding to which advertising or which lead, and then I also can start my automations like I did in um, in ConvertKit, where I could do a call a autoresponder series. And then also I could do regular emails and do email blasts at the same time. And I love the the back half of SendFox because you can actually see who's active, who's engaged in your emails, uh, how many new people you get signed up. And then you can also see who unsubscribed, which is fine because I'd rather someone unsubscribe than to take my space meaning you only get a certain amount of spaces for people uh, who are actually um, in your list, if you will. I could do smart pages and I could do forms. So these smart pages are what we call those pages that it's a landing page. So someone goes to a page, they actually could download something or they could see uh, a feature that you want them to see. Or, you know, it's just a way for you to reach out to them as a certain campaign. So that's a a good way to do it. You have all the visual tools you need. Uh, You could change colors, you could change schemes, all that stuff. And then there's forms where if I create a form, this form will be on my website. And there will also be a way for someone to sign up and uh, opt in to saying, yes, I want to know more about what you got, Sheldon. So send fox And then the other one is King Sumo. So with those two, I only have two for each of those. And it's uh, year uh, contracts, I guess, or year services would probably be subscriptions. That's probably the better word for it. So two people, two listeners. Uh, If you want to join what I'm doing right now to grow my business, go to SheldonPrimus.com backslash resources. So SheldonPrimus.com backslash resources, R-E-S-O-U-R-C-E-S. And then you're going to see where I've got listed where you could get one or two of the King Sumo, uh, get a, a subscription to them, and then one or two of SendFox subscriptions. All right, so that's what I'm doing now. I am truly testing these products first, going through them, see if I like them. If I like them, I'll make a deal. And see if I could uh, get. Right now, I'm just growing two, two people in my audience that wants to use the same services that I use to grow my business. Then you're going to have um, a discounted way of actually. Doing and using the same thing I'm doing and what I'm gonna also do is if you buy since it's only two use for for each of the services it's okay if you want to buy the King Sumo and the Send Fox together and again I'm setting it up annual because that's the way I like to do that I, I don't like the monthly stuff uh, so if I could get an annual you buy it you don't have to think about it that's the way I like to do it and uh, then I'm also gonna help you so for those products especially if you do both of them I'm gonna do a half hour helping you set it up and so it's yeah just two people so I could do that with just two people if I was doing gonna do my whole audience there's mathematically speaking I don't have enough time for that so that's another reason why I said just two people because I could help these two people get their business started so King sumo Sen Fox those are the two that I'm gonna put on right now you'll know when it's not available anymore because the system won't allow you to purchase uh, the subscriptions from either one of them, but if it's available, then once you're on the site, sheldonprimus.com backslash resources, then you'll be able to uh, to get the discounted membership for those two, uh, or annual subscriptions for those two services right now. And I'm only gonna do two at a time next week. And for the tip of the week, I'm gonna give you two more. And this is truly how I am starting to cut my overhead so that now with this new COVID-19 and the way that things aren't really (laughs) as uh, predictable as before uh, then I decided that I need to cut expenses so that's what I'm doing alright so again if you haven't had a chance to uh, subscribe to this podcast, please do. I would love to hear from you. Uh, if you could share it with a friend, that would be awesome. And if you just want to reach out to me, you can reach me at sheldon at sheldonprimus.com or catch me on LinkedIn. So with that, go get them. This episode has been powered by
1: Safety FM.